Welcome into the Blue Water Climate Control BallQuest.com podcast alongside Rob Lewis and Jesse Samonton. I'm Austin Price talking about Tennessee's 24-20 bowl eligible clinching victory over Missouri from a late night in November this past season in 2019. Guys, cold. what's that? Cold night. It was cold. Um, I'll say this. I go back to the early in the game and the announcers you know, are talking about the matchup between Tennessee's passing game against Missouri secondary and the color guy calls it a good matchup for Missouri. And after that, Missouri proceeds to get torched by Jerry Garantano. And, and then the receivers, I mean, JG had a good game and 400 yards, but the receivers made some really tough catches, especially Josh Palmer and Marquez Callaway. Yeah. And, and then JJ does his usual, you know, yak attack uh, after he has the ball in his hands, but man, that's probably, I mean, it's got to be Josh Palmer's best game, don't you think? I mean, the degree of difficulty, some of the shots that he took. Um, I mean, I, I think that's the best he's played and you know, kind of gives you some hope that he's ready to take that next step and be, be the number one guy this year. That was a, that was a strange comment that, that Jordan Rodgers made in that, in that broadcast. I mean, yes, they were without DeMarcus Acey, which makes it even stranger that he said that he thought it would be a good matchup for Missouri considering that – they were without their best corner. But Jim Chaney targeted uh, Christian Holmes the whole night. Obviously, Tennessee finishes this game with three 100-yard receivers, as Rob just alluded to. I mean, they, th- these guys made just some, some unbelievable catches and, and catches in traffic where they got just straight popped. I mean, you know, they got mollywhopped on a couple of these catches, and they bounced right back up and came back and made a play. So Tennessee needed to survive. Uh, some big mistakes in this game. This was probably the worst special teams game that Tennessee played all season. You know, when you, you think about what they did in terms of catching the ball at the eight-yard line, the block kicks and whatnot, that not not seeing the fact that their head coach is calling out a fake punt. Uh, but again, as we've kind of noted the last couple of weeks, the resiliency prevailed, and this was another example of Tennessee kind of learning how to win and it was a big one because it clinched bowl eligibility. And, AP, you and I were on the sidelines. It was freezing as hell. But they were celebrating like they had just won a bowl game. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, game, I mean it, was, it was Chris Rump celebrating with the fans, Henry Toa Toa, Wanye Morris, Trey Smith, all these guys running up in the stands. I mean, it was a celebration in Columbia that night. Well, and it should have been. Having been in that same scenario just one year prior, and to lose both games, I, I thought, you know, it was Paramount, Tennessee, find a way to win in, in Missouri. Now, Tennessee goes on to roll Vanderbilt the next week, and they probably win that game anyway. But seeds of doubt maybe creep in if Tennessee doesn't win in Missouri because, you know, they, you, know you just don't want to have, you know, that deja vu hap, uh, feeling happening again. So, Tennessee takes care of business. Now, again, you're right. You, you, look, at, you look back, 400 yards passing, they score 24 points. I mean, it went 24-20 and had to get a, a, a stand. You know, not really a stand. They just had to hold them. They didn't even cross midfield there at the end of the game. But the point is, is you know, Missouri still had the ball with a chance to go win it there at the end. And uh, Tennessee still found a way to uh, to prevail. And they, they found different ways that last six games. I mean, you, you go back to when the kind of the, they kind of got the mojo going, um, you, know, the, you know, even at Alabama, they found different ways each week and this one it was through the year it was Garantano it was the three wide receivers 
Um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously this is a Tennessee team that just kind of brother-in-lawed it really well the back part of the year, uh, finding, you know, different ways each week. One week it would be the passing game. One week would be the running game. It was never really the same combination back-to-back games. But I thought this was really, you know, just looked, looked like a team that believed in itself is, you know, kind of what I thought. And, you know, when the – and you pointed out, AP, they were in the same position – the, the previous year, but I mean, you could just tell that they were figuring out how to win, how to do what they had to do. Um, you know, they, they forced the three and out on Missouri's last series of the game. And then when they have a chance to close it out, I mean, Missouri started three timeouts, Tennessee, you know, they get a, they get that first down tough third down conversion to Jennings and speed. I mean, they were the receivers and uh, JG were huge on third down all night long. Um, they were nine of sixteen, and I mean converted, and not just like you know third and two, third and three. They converted some you know, third eight, third and nines, and um, did it on two right right prior to, to two touchdowns. Which you know, if you settle for field goals in those situations, it completely changes the complexion of the game. And they might have been blocked. <laughs> this, this this is when this is when this is like JG's ultimate. Like I'm Jim Carrey, the Riddler. The enigma makes no sense. You rewatch this game, he can't throw a swing pass to save his life in this game. Every time they try to go to a running back in this game, the ball is either thrown wildly out of bounds or off the guy's hands, makes no sense. And yet when he's throwing 20 yards down the field, for the most part, you know, he's putting it on the money. He throws for almost 250 yards by halftime. Something prior to this game, I had to go back and check my own notes for this because I had this in my review piece. But something prior to this game, he had only done twice in his career for the whole – for 60 minutes. And he does that at halftime. Um, Palmer comes up with some ridiculous catches. Jawan on his one touchdown, you don't see this a lot of times. He literally breaks the same tackle twice. Like he breaks a tackle – the guy actually has enough time to get up and try to chase him down because Jawan is zigzagging guys and tries to tackle him again and misses, and Jawan still scores a touchdown. Pretty ridiculous. Um, this, was, uh, th- this was the game, and obviously after the game, JG touches on the death threats, you know, what, what happened with him and his family, his sister, all that. So there was a lot of kind of weight that carried kind of after this game. Um, but the performance that he had, the performance that the receivers had, Juwan comes out shirtless and it's like 25 degrees outside and he's just like antagonizing the Missouri media uh, w- w- was a memorable thing. But I, I, I still have kind of the memories of this celebration afterwards because of how excited this team was that they were facing this start of this season and then on this cold night in Columbia to kind of clinch the fact that, hey, we may be going to Florida for a bowl game. You know, you bring up a great point about his inability to throw a swing pass. And I love JG and I love his dad. Good people. I love Miss Karen. But he does struggle with that pass mightily. It's like almost like Major League Two where the new catcher, you know, can't throw it back to the pitcher. And he has to start reciting the JCPenney uh, underwear catalog <laughs> to throw it back to the pitcher. I think that may be why he has I mean, it's like Chuck Knobloch for the Yankees can't throw it to first base. <laughs> Easiest throw on the easiest throw right there. Can't make it. Uh, I'll tell you something that really surprised me when I went back and looked at the stats at this one. I mean, it's, if you just look at the, at the numbers, it's surprising. Tennessee was, you know, kind of in a dogfight in the fourth quarter. Tennessee had 526 total yards. Missouri only had 280. Missouri averaged 
less than three yards per carry. It's, you know, you just look at those numbers in the box where you, you think Tennessee's got, you know, 14, 17 point win easy. That was, that was not the case. Well, when, when you mismanage the clock, I mean, this is oh, in the first half. Yeah, in terms of spinning it forward, I, as aggressive as JP, as aggressive as Jeremy's been, that we've covered both this season, prior seasons, they completely botched the end of this first half. You know, Tennessee also loses the turnover battle. They're actually outscored in the fourth quarter of this game, too. Um, all that, I mean, that's how you basically find yourself in a need-to-get-a-stop scenario to win the game. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, Rob. I mean, that was – uh, they dominated the, the 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 brass task stacks, but when it came down to it, they had to get a stop just to kind of clinch bowl eligibility. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the end of the first half. After I'd completely forgotten that. I mean, that, that, like 50 seconds left, and, and all three timeouts, and then they end up taking a timeout before first down. Before and then after the clock is stopped and they're resetting the chains, they you know they pick up a first down, and then they take. They, they burn their second timeout. And, you're and then they don't call a timeout when J.G. scrambles for a first down to give your, your wideouts that have just been mossing these dudes the entire first half one shot at the end zone. I mean, it was – this was – that last 90 seconds will not be written on uh, Jeremy Pruitt's obituary. No, no, yeah, there, there will be no YouTube footage of, of him breaking that down at a co- coaching clinic. Oh, and you go to the, you know, the, the post-game press conference and – He's clearly still steamed about the mistakes that you guys have just referenced throughout the portion of the game, whether it be from his coaching staff or the players. And then Cole Kublik kind of, you know, he, he clearly, you know, kind of makes him understand what they had just gotten accomplished. And so he, you see a little more mellow side uh, there to tell into the interview. But you know, th- this is a, you know, I, I thought that as big a win as Pruitt's had, you know, because you're getting over the hump to get to a bowl. I mean, you think that's easy, but, you know, for a bunch of kids that had kind of saw it all fall falling flat last year, um, I, I thought it was, it was, it was a, it was a big win, even though it was kind of a, an ugly game at times. I think it was a huge win. I mean, this, I mean, yeah, Missouri was not very good, but I mean, this is a Tennessee program that has, that had, you know, been getting taken behind the woodshed by Missouri that, you know, was it, you know, beating that wasn't you couldn't assume was going to beat South Carolina. I mean, I that I thought last season. I mean, Tennessee did, did what they had to do. It's you know, it's too early competing with Alabama and Florida's ahead of you, but you got to start you know, climbing back up and, and getting past you know the the guys that had tra- traditionally been automatic Ws. You had to get you know kind of get the world back in, in alignment in the SEC. A couple things that stand out to me upon rewatch tonight of this game, spinning it forward. One, we've touched on this throughout this series, you know, the, and really it's it's on, honestly been kind of a funny deal, the continued progression of Nigel Warrior. This was another game that Nigel just had a really strong game. I mean, he makes a play that was the, ultimately, honestly, the difference between Missouri potentially scoring a touchdown on its opening drive or having to settle for a field goal that those four points ended up being huge, you know, with that tackle that he made uh, in terms of the result of the game. But he was fantastic. Batuli obviously has a dozen tackles. Um, But then, you know, Schamberger has kind of some struggles in the fourth quarter there. But with the recent events, guys, it's notable that we're this late in the season. Eric Gray still is effectively a non-factor. He's about to become a huge factor the next two weeks. 
We know that now in hindsight, but against Vandy and then the bowl game. But this was the Tim Jordan game. They, they relied on Tim Jordan. He had a bad fumble in this game, but they he had twice as many carries as any other guy. They relied on him in terms of pass protection. They relied on him in terms of just getting four or five yards a pop, you know, when they needed something. And, Rob, I think that's kind of interesting when you spin it forward that clearly this coaching staff is still not – whether it's Ty Chandler, Eric Gray, whatever, they're not exactly sure with what they want to do with whoever's in the backfield there. Yeah, and, I mean, to, to your point, he had twice as many carries as Chandler and Gray combined in this game. Yeah. 14 to 7. And, uh, you know, made, made some big runs. Um, to, to set things up. And, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, the fumble was, was pretty egregious. I mean, that opened the door for Missouri after Tennessee – after Palmer had made a great catch right. and, and gotten busted up. But um, this is kind of eye-opening for me. I mean, he was clearly had more going on that day than Chandler did. And now we don't even know where he stands on this team, right, AP? I mean, like – Well, I, I, again, I think that going, you know, as, as we take this, you know – you know, on Tuesday night. Um, to be honest with you, I thought Carlin Fields and me was going to be the odd man out this whole time. Um, but maybe, you know, they end up flip-flopping. I mean, Tim Jordan definitely opened the door for Jeremy Pruitt to use him as a number that he needs to get back. Now, does Jeremy Pruitt do that? We'll see. But, you know, you're talking gun charges and marijuana charges. Um, you know, it, that's 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 going to be a something that's going to bear watching, um, you know, going forward. You know, does he even return to campus? How does this all play out with Tim Jordan? Tennessee obviously, you know, could always put Quavaris Crouch or as Tom Hart called him Couch, um, you know, uh, you know, in the bigger back role again. They'd obviously love to see whether it be Lenneth Whitehead or T Hodge um, make a move to be that bigger back and, and, and a guy that can really help in pass protection. But at the end of the day, if Ty Chandler and Eric Gray learn to pass protect much better than they did a year ago, then Tim Jordan becomes a non-factor because Tim Jordan played because they couldn't do that. I agree. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a bad time to be a, a member of that running back room, and especially if you're Tim Jordan running into that, into that kind of trouble. And, you know, Tennessee, I mean, they were better at running the ball this game, but, I mean, certainly not. I mean, it, it, it felt to me like Chaney, you know, went into this one – sort of, you know, feeling like he was going to need to throw it 40 times, which is what they, they ended up doing, that, you know, didn't, didn't have a lot of confidence in the ground game. It was a 40, 40, I want to say 41 pass attempts to – I got the box here. Yeah, 41 to 32 as far as the, the pass-to-run ratio. And, you know, with as little confidence as, as Jeremy had shown in Jarrett at time through the year, that, you know, I, th- I think that's a pretty dramatic statement about what Jim thought about his – the run game matchup. Yeah, and even when even when that you know Wanya got pulled for one series or dinged for one series, they threw three straight times when Jameer Johnson was in there. You know, I mean they they were they were they were going uh, you know hell on wheels and trying to make big plays down the field. I will say I've touched on this throughout this series. Um, one of the underlining I think things to watch you know in this coming season is who can make plays after the catch. It's no secret you know just how dynamic Jawan was. Uh, with the ball in his hands once he got the football in this game. He had over 100 yards receiving. 65 of those came right after he had caught the ball. I mean, that's that's a lot of hidden yardage that, that Tennessee's going to have to make up for this fall. And I think one thing I want to 
mentioned, uh, I made, I actually put an asterisk on this. I mean, it's I, fans have made note of it. Everybody's you know kind of talked about it. But the way Daniel Batuli played these two weeks in a row at Kentucky in this game, I mean, thirty-one combined tackles in the two games. It it really you know everybody said it, but golly, Tennessee doesn't start zero and two. I don't think if, if Batuli's healthy. Yeah, I think it, it changed the course of uh, the season there early, and uh, obviously Tennessee, um, you know, found its footing late. And and let's face it, you know, we we said all along, and I think everybody is not just something that the four of us talked about, but I think as a whole, for Tennessee to be able to compete with the Georgia, Floridas, Alabamas, those type of teams, they needed to get past the Missouris. They've had their way over Kentucky, but Vanderbilt, South Carolina, win those games, and Tennessee down the stretch, found ways against every one of these teams that they've struggled with over the last six or seven years to get a win. Now they've got to, to me, be able to do it again this year. Um, and then, again, the schedule sets up this year, I think, you know, where Tennessee against, you know, they get Florida at home and, then, you know, Georgia later in the year. I didn't, you know, not having that murderer's gauntlet like Tennessee's had since the 90s of playing Florida, Georgia, Team X, Alabama, right there in the middle of your season. Um, I think that do, definitely helps uh, this program try to find more footing going forward. And I, this was also another year, I'll just say, that, you, or another example of this season late in the year, once Tennessee had gotten rolling, that the team had bought into this staff. I mean, you got Henry Toa Toa out there with a cast on his knee. He's, I mean, he looks like a bionic man, you know, Terminator out there with on his shoulder, on his elbow, on his ankle, on his knee. He's got all this stuff because he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's gutting it out and making plays. Bryce Thompson's out there on, on, on a banged-up knee out there. He was obviously, you know, the, at fault for the one touchdown uh, where he got turned around confused, but he's out there gutting it out. This team, and AP, you and I were on the field afterwards, they so badly wanted to get to a bowl game. And the culmination of kind of these multiple weeks in a row – they really did celebrate after this game. And, and I, you know, whether they, I think they knew that they could beat, you know, that they felt pretty confident about uh, taking Vandy, you know, to the woodshed the next week. But this was clearly like they felt like they could just kind of breathe after this game. And you could see that with the way some of these guys gutted it out and then the way they performed or then acted kind of afterwards, I thought. And I just I – mean, my last thing – all, you, you think about the six-game win streak. You think about getting bowl eligible. Think about how close, you know, th- those two games, Kentucky and then the next week at Missouri, think about how clo- close, you know, the margin for error was. You know, Tennessee gets a goal line stop in the fourth quarter against Kentucky. Here against Missouri, you know, Missouri has the ball with five minutes left and three timeouts in decent field position down by four. And Tennessee got it done. I mean, that's to me, that's, that's kind of the most impressive thing is, is fourth quarter – they, they had a chance in both of the, those two games, and they found a way to make it happen. Tennessee wins it 24-20. to 20. Jesse touched on the celebration afterwards. And let's face it, nobody celebrated more than Jesse Simonton making his way back to the warm press box. The Florida kid could not handle the cold on that Missouri November night. And to quote the great Pat Summit, toughen up, buttercup. In East Tennessee, you'll need a reliable heating and air system designed for your home and our climate. You need a team that is trained and held to the highest of standards. You need solutions, not sales pitches. 
There are many heating and air companies in East Tennessee, but there's only one that you need to remember, and that's Blue Water Climate Control, veteran-owned and family-operated. When you need a new system or major repair, Blue Water isn't just going to send out a salesman. An air conditioning expert will visit your home. They'll lay out options that include repairing the system you have, replacing it with a system that's affordable, upgrading your energy efficiency, or improving your indoor air quality. Call 299-2290 or visit bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. To make an appointment, Blue Water is an authorized dealer for American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Rob Lewis and Jesse Sompton, I'm Austin Price for the Wednesday Rocky Top Rewind Podcast.